With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Producer Taryn Bland would rather be watching an NBA playoff game with his banky and a towel in case he gets wet. This is Gary Jeff Walker on a Wednesday night. Reds win today again. Fifth time in seven games in the West game road trip five and two. Break them up. They're on their way the, to the middle of the pack, maybe, if we're lucky. Great to be with you on this Wednesday evening, May 16th, 2018, a power pack show tonight. We have Brian Shrive from the Finney Law Firm and the Gang of Five, the latest on the email scandal that's erupted in Cincinnati City Council and has uh, amounted to a couple of lawsuits in violation of the Sunshine Law. We'll talk that and uh, maybe more about Aftab, the man who would be the congressman from the first House district in the state of Ohio. We'll see. Also, it's the Hokey Pokey with Kim Jong-un and President Trump. Put your nuclear arms in, take your nuclear arms out, put your nuclear arms in, and you shake them all about, baby. And that's what it's all about. Still waiting to see if that summit does indeed occur in June in Singapore. Seems to be a a little bit of doubt about that. New from the Senate Intelligence Committee and the guidance as provided by Bob Mueller, according to Rudy Giuliani, The president is not the subject of any indictment by that special counsel. What are they still doing is the question. And much more to come. On this show as well, Jay Armstrong, my friend, stand-up comedian, who's going to be at Rock on the Range this weekend in Columbus. Looks like rain for the rock and roll, but the comedians will all be in a tent where everyone will flee once the, uh, the showers monsoon upon the masses there. Also on this show, Jeremiah Larbus. I call him the Big J from Midland Baseball Club. The Midland Redskins, who to this point in their history have elevated or helped elevate at least 47 players to the major leagues. A true baseball success story when you come to amateur organizations who promote and develop great baseball talent, the likes of Ken Griffey Jr., Barry Larkin, and many, many more. Matt Harvey who just made his debut for the Reds over the past week, was a graduate of Midland Baseball Club. Also, Danny Hills, Cincinnati president of the Fraternal Order of Police, will be with us to talk about. And I did want to talk a little bit about the hearing before Cincinnati City Council on Monday, where the father of Kyle Plush, 
eloquently and without pointing fingers or blaming people, asked some very serious questions he felt were unanswered by Chief Elliot Isaacs and that have been answered to this point. Although I think Elliot Isaac did a, a, a good job of explaining the summary of the events that transpired on that sad day in April when Kyle Plush later died in that Honda Odyssey in the parking lot of Seven Hills High School. But when I heard Kyle Plush's father talk, of all the people that talked, I, I told somebody that I, I watched the hearing, he said, man, you were really bored on Monday, weren't you? Actually, I found his comments to be reasoned, and you, you can't even imagine the emotion that the man and his family have been dealing with since Kyle's death and all the questions that have been raised by us in the media, by politicians, by others questioning police actions on that tragic day when Kyle died in the van. And I listened to Kyle plus his father, and as I listened to him, I thought, you know, this guy ought to be sitting on city council. I found him as eloquent and articulate and to the point as Chris Smitherman or anybody else. And Christopher Smitherman, who chaired the meeting, uh, I thought he did a fantastic job as well. Amy Murray's suggestion, which Kyle Plus's father lauded, commended, said, you know what? We as city council ought to go to the emergency call center and work a full shift. Six hours with dispatch, six hours with the operators, and sit down at the desk and find out what their job is. If you're going to question how hard somebody's job is, you ought to know a little bit about it, especially if you're the people who are making those decisions. For example, if anybody ever questions what a producer like Taryn Bland does here, working Lance's show or my show, running baseball games, whatever Taryn does, and he does them all very well, if you ever want to question his skill and acumen, you really ought to sit in that seat and have to take my guff for three or four hours before you, you know, cast stones at him. You ought to wear Taryn's shoes. What size shoe do you wear, Taryn? It'd be, a third, it'd be a tough fit for a lot of people, 13. I had somebody ask me that one night. Hey, you ought to walk in my shoes. I said, what size do you have? I'm a 12, so I could almost walk in your shoes with a little bit of uh, toilet paper or something in the front. But I found Kyle plus his father's uh, statements and his questions to be poignant, to be right on point, and not in an accusatory or blaming way. And that'd be very difficult for me to do if I was a father who had lost a son through uh, a perfect storm or calamity of errors or whatever you want to call what happened that day. So anyway, uh, all that on the table. At 1045, like I said, Danny Hills, about 11 o'clock, we have a psychic, an intuitive, a medium, a clairvoyant, Lisa Kaza. She's Canadian, so don't hold that against her. You'll find that she's very polite, though, as most Canadians are. Uh, and we'll also have uh, Kristen Sonata Walker, who's with the Mental Health Radio Network, about our fascination with the royals and the upcoming royal wedding. And is it healthy or not? And Dave Hatter, my IT guy, my tech guru, will be joining us in the 1130 part of that last hour here on the Nightcap. 513-749-7000, pound 700 on AT&T is a number to get in touch. That's free. Gary Jeff Walker at 700WLW.com. 
And I would posit to you this, from 9.30 to 10.30, Jay Armstrong and I will be discussing a myriad of issues, some that I brought up and some that we'll bring up, or anything that comes to the top of our heads. But the question I want to ask you tonight is what topic you never hear discussed on talk radio you'd like to hear discussed? We talk all variances of sports and politics and lifestyle stuff, but what's a topic you never hear talked about, you, you're interested in, you'd like to hear talked about? So if you want to f- feel free to call in starting at 930 with that, and we'll field your phone calls as well. We'll take a quick break. We come back first with Brian Try from the Finney Law Firm on the Gang of Five, the emails and uh, the lawsuits and the possible scandals in Cincinnati City Hall. You're in the nightcap on 700 WL. Good evening, the nightcap on 700 WLW. Joining us on the telephone, and thank you for your patience, Brian Shrive of the Finney Law Firm. How are you this evening, sir? Doing great. Thank, thanks for having me on, Gary Jeff. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Just got your email about the latest batch of illegal meeting text messages between the so-called Gang of Five on the Cincinnati City Council. And... In this email, it suggests that your client may be forced to bring yet another lawsuit against the city council in violation of the Public Records Act, Sunshine Laws, and the like. Politicians talk about transparency all of the time. What the hell has been going on in city city Cincinnati Council between these five council members? Well, I think what's been happening is they have colluded to really undermine the public trust and an open government that that has been a hallmark of the city of Cincinnati for uh, you know 50 to, to 50 years or so this the Cincinnati Charter really demands open government even greater than than Ohio law does and and what these five did is they uh, in a series of pre-planned and pre-arranged telephone conferences and text messages and emails um, really set out to to undermine the mayor in this instance, regarding the hiring or the firing of, of Harry Black, uh, ultimately we saw what you know what keeping him around led to uh, the disastrous um, multiple lawsuits, uh, the the just the the disaster that was the 911 office, um, and really I think there's a lot that can be laid at the feet of Harry Black and ultimately at the feet of this, the Gang of Five for for playing politics with an important uh, policy decision. Well, it kind of mirrors, in a way, the national discussion about uh, the obstruction, and this is not a pro or anti-Trump thing for me, Brian, but it kind of mirrors what the Democrats and members of the media have been doing to try and disrupt the presidency from uh, president from doing his job as, as President of the United States of America. They're trying, as you mentioned, to disrupt John Cranley from conducting the business of the city of Cincinnati, Correct. Absolutely, and I think what we see here is that that, that uh, P.G. Sittenfeld kind of sees himself as, as in a kind of a British politics term, kind of the shadow mayor, mm-hmm. um, and and he's leading the the backbenchers and resistance, uh, and and really the way with this gang of five, John Cranley can't get anything accomplished if this gang of five sticks together. Uh, you know, everything's going to require five votes, so it's it, you know P.G. Sittenfeld views himself as controlling city politics and city government. Uh, and I think that's crumbling a bit when since we've exposed this. But but I think they're still very much aligned. Do you believe that PG thinks he's the heir apparent? I mean... Unquestionably, he, he believes that he is the heir apparent. And, um, 
I, I, like you said, he's not waiting. His, you know, he's not even waiting to to be the heir. He's taking taking a secret power now. For people who would question how big a deal this is, so well, they're just email. They're just texting each other. They're just emailing each other. What's what's the harm in that? And how would you respond to that? Well, the, the point is, we have a system in Ohio and, and in Cincinnati, even more particularly, uh, that requires open government, that requires the debates and decisions that are made by city council to be done in public, to be, and not only to be done in public, but be, be done in public in a noticed meeting so that the public knows next Tuesday, city council is going to get together and discuss X, and they're going to have a real legitimate discussion not a pantomime discussion because they've already met secretly and it's just a fraudulent meeting. Sure. You know, a few years ago we had a case against Clear Creek Township up in Warren County. And in that instance, the township trustees had their meetings on Tuesdays at uh, 7 o'clock. And at 6.30, the three trustees would go meet in the administrator's office. (laughs) And they would go over the agenda line item by line item. And any time there was any disagreement, they would just take it off the agenda. And so, so you sit in a meeting. If you actually go to the 7 o'clock meeting, you're not watching a meeting. You're watching a rehearsed performance. And, and I think now that we know about that, there's, that we've received some of these text messages and some of these emails, we can now see, if we look back to January 1 when this council got sworn in, and we can look at other meetings that seem to be, in hindsight, simply rehearsed performances by these five. And we have to say, what really happened? How, for instance, did Sean Mack, an African-American conservative who was appointed to the sort of board, he's a bus rider, he's a nurse, rides the bus daily, right. and, and John Cranley appointed him to, to be on the sort of board. And he, his appointment was completely hijacked. It was in the, in the words of, of Clarence Thomas, a high-tech lynching that occurred to him at a city council meeting where they found uh, two or three t- tweets that Sean Mack had made where he compared uh, some of the economic policies of uh, the progressive gang of five to, you know, and noted that he thought they had a racist impact, that ultimately they negatively impacted African Americans. Right. Uh, and said, this is just as racist as anything Donald Trump said. So it was not, you know, the guy's not, you know, a, you know, a rabid right winger, but he says, that, you know, you, you get mad that Donald Trump says racist things. You have racist policies. Yeah. And they said, you are unfit to serve on the SORTA board because you have the temerity to call out the, the gang of five, which we didn't know at the time was the gang of five. But if you if you go back and watch that meeting, it is an absolutely scripted performance. I don't believe for a second that those five didn't get together ahead of time and plan this out. And it was an absolute travesty, and, it, and it's an embarrassment to the city that what was done to Rayshon Mack. And I think the public has a right to know in that instance when did they plan this out? How did they plan this out? And what can be done to make sure that that never happens again, that they have these scripted performances at City Hall meetings? Brian Shrive from the Finney Law Firm is our guest for the next few minutes. Brian, this, it shouldn't occur, but this occurs all too often in all forms of government. Uh, I think we've seen that in full effect in Washington, D.C. 
where the, I mean, you know, it's not even elected members, but the Department of Justice will not turn over all these documents that Congress have have compelled them legally to do, you know, and they continue to drag their feet on that. I was just reading some of the the context of the text that were released today uh, from PG and Chris Seelbach and Wendell Young and Greg Landsman, four of the Gang of Five. And not only are they obviously coordinating and rehearsing what they're going to do uh, to conspire against the city and Mayor Cranley and, and all the rest, but there's a Keystone Cops element to this. As I'm watching, PG just emailed you all first draft of a letter uh, incorporating people's ideas here in the conference for one thirty today. Chris Seelbach goes, 1 p.m.? PG's one thirty. He just said one thirty, <laughs> And then Wendell Young goes, got it, thanks. Greg Landsman, Wendell, are you around for a quick call? Tried your, but it went to voicemail. Thanks, friend. Yes, call now. Here's the call-in info again from PG that he's already given out with the access code and the PIN number if needed. You hopping on, Wendell? Not yet. Can't get through. Trying again. No answer. I mean, the haphazard way that they're trying to, to do this shows a lack of competence on their parts, as well as a violation of, of the Open Meetings Act, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, I guess we should be at least happy that they're not that good at it, <laughs> perhaps. Uh, but uh, but as they say, when you set out to kill the king, first kill the king, and they they failed uh, in their coup attempt certainly. Um, and but I, I think to your point, this is a larger issue. I think there was just a case in northern Kentucky or in Kentucky that some state legislators met illegally yep. uh, over some you know, the pension issues. Um, and, and to me, it, it comes down to this. When you run for office, whether it's township trustee or school board or city council, it's a public job, it's public business, it's public decisions. And if you can't do those things in the public, then you shouldn't sign up for the job. And, and I would really say to these five in particular, you have so clearly abused the public trust, it's probably time for you to go. Is, is that what you'd like to see happen? I think there's real concern here. What else is out there? I think we need to see what else is out there. There, um, these the text messages we're looking at here online. Really, we've had, they they turned those over about a month ago. Um, they haven't turned over anything since. We've issued discovery in in the open meetings lawsuit yeah. uh, that they've were supposed to do, uh, respond to by the, the by next week, and they've asked for an additional thirty days. Um, I'm hopeful that they, when they ask for additional time, it's to actually produce the documents, not simply to prepare some motion to try to, uh, again, subvert the, the public business here. Uh, but I, I fully expect that there's going to be more fights to, uh, to get these, these documents and actually expose to the public what's been done uh, in the public name. Well, uh, Brian, keep us apprised. I'm sure you'll be happy to do that, and I appreciate your time tonight. Thank you. Glad to be with you. Have Bri a great night. You too. Brian Shrive from the Finney Law Firm here on the Nightcap on 700 W. 513-749-7000, 1-800-843-2441, pound 700 on AT&T. Email GaryJeffWalker at 700WLW.com. This is the Nightcap on 700WLW. The Reds with the day game. They beat San Francisco on their way back home to start a series against the Cubs on Friday at Great American Ballpark, going 5-2 and two on the West Coast road swing. I ask you tonight if there's 
any topic you'd like to hear discussed on talk radio that you, you hardly ever do. And this this guy is a good person to have in. Jay Armstrong, my friend, stand-up comedian and uh, frequent guest on the Nightcap joining us. How are you doing, Jay? I am doing uh, pretty great. How here's, are you? Here's something that's never discussed on the radio. Okay. A woman furiously defecating on the floor of a Tim Hortons and then flinging the feces <laughs> at employees. He just showed me this video. I was like, that's incredible. She literally, she literally like, takes off her skirt, pulls down her panties, and does her business on the floor and then picks it up with her hand and throws it at the guy behind the counter. <laughs> she, you never hear about that on she, talk radio. She throws it like Rob Dibble, man. Oh. Like she wings it. She was one nasty girl. There's it's no the doubt about that. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire to me, life. You think it's funny. I just think it's crazy. It's hilarious. I'll tell you what else I would is funny. I would never even think of doing something like no matter how mad I got. I went to a concert the other day. and yeah. uh, what, was, what concert was it? It was Ghost. They're... Okay. Uh, Kind of, the kind of like metal. It's more like progressive rock. Uh, but oh, is, is that where Demi Moore's in the middle stage with like a potter's wheel and Whoopi Goldberg there? And- <laughs> you know what? I've seen lots of memes made with that. Oh, uh, but but uh, anyway, so, so there was a, a, a couple a couple rows in front of us, and uh, the girl uh, faked a seizure, but she obviously had never seen anyone have a seizure before. Yeah, it was hysterical. Why would she fake a seizure? Uh, I. I don't know if she just didn't want to go or she didn't want to be that packed in with people. Uh, but you could tell that her boyfriend was super upset. It was, it was super funny. Maybe he was super worried about her. Uh, you know what? He kind of seemed like he was worried at first, and then he noticed that I was laughing, and then he was <laughs> mad. Like, dude, I worked in a drug and alcohol detox. I've seen so many seizures. I promise you that's not a seizure. This is completely fake. She obviously right. has never seen one. Well, let's let's go to the phones. Uh, Nick in Covedale. How you doing, Nicholas? I clearly missed. The thematic concept that you brought up with Mr. Armstrong and stuff on the air. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it could be any topic that you've never heard discussed. I'm just saying things that you'd like to discuss that you haven't heard discussed. So what is yours? Well, the, the quickest, easiest one that I already told Terrence, your wonderful producer, is one that Dusty Rhodes, the guy that you handily beat on the, uh, on the radio contest for music. Yeah. He's already pointed out how much these abatements have increased across the county of Hamilton in terms of what the taxpayers that do pay property taxes are paying versus the ones that do not. And the SC soccer thing is is another one of them that's going to only add to it. So he didn't bring it up directly. The streetcar uh, added a bunch to it to begin with. Yeah. But if you go to his website, you can actually dial in what a $250 million improved pro- parcel of property is versus what it, 100000 or whatever the heck it is existing. And you can see what we're losing and what the city and the county are picking up in the tab. The difference that happens is this is all buried. Nobody even talks about it as far as what it really hits on blonde-headed fat guys that actually have to write the checks every six months. I don't think it's only blonde-headed fat guys, but well, you, we, yours were, you were looking in the mirror. and No, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what the whole point is, this stuff gets hidden and renters don't realize. And I'm at the point where they're going to have to feel this. And there's no easy way to turn around and tell them. It's like, you really do need to register to vote and realize that this stuff matters. 
Yeah, people. And it's a shame because this is an unreported, which is where I'm going back to on your request. Yeah. This is an unreported concept. I didn't hear a thing about it in the newscast regarding FC Cincinnati or really heard much about it at all from anybody who's talked about the new soccer stadium in the West End. You know, if you, if you want that to make national news, I strongly suggest uh, you consider going into a place and furiously defecating and then Rob Dibble throwing it <laughs> right into whoever's face. All right. Then you'll get, then you'll get the, the necessary attention. Hey, yeah. Council Member uh, Smitherman. Yeah. He turns around, he's supposed to be a money man, right? Yeah. Amy Murray's supposed to be a Republican conservative lady, like, right? Yes. But yet they turn around and they jump on the same bandwagon. They're not doing this. It, 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 I've told people on, on online over and over, Jeff, Mr. Walker, <laughs> that your concept, and then even Hannity today, just today, Hannity said the same thing as you said, but not nearly as succinctly and correctly. There's only one party in Washington, and there's only one party on council. They all have a party, and we all get to pay for it. Thank you, Nick. With that, we'll uh, close out that conversation. Yeah, and he makes a really good point. When people vote for these deals, even though the FC Cincinnati thing isn't even available to be petitioned to put on the ballot because it was an emergency clause. It's always an emergency if you've got to build a private sports stadium for somebody. But... They're not actually building the stadium, right? Though they're just building some infrastructure around it. Well, I mean, that's what I keep reading. Is that true? Or yeah, in in a manner of speaking, believe me, the taxpayers are helping build that stadium, and and it's it's the property owners, like you said, with these abatements. Mm-hmm. The property owners are picking up the check. The people who rent from the property owners think that they don't have skin in the game, right? Until their rent goes up, and it's going to have to. The money's going to come from somewhere. If you're a property owner and you have to pay a larger amount of the tax burden with your property abatement that FC Cincinnati Stadium is not going to have to pay versus a homeowner, okay, and you rent out, you've got a two-family or you've got you know, a multiple apartment building that you own, that's on your back. And who do you think is going to finally bear the brunt of that? It has to be the person who's renting from you. Yeah, you and know, they, they always look at it like, well, I don't care. I'm not a property owner. I'm, uh, yeah, let's, let's hike up the property taxes. We need this. Right. That's the mentality. I was listening to or uh, lack thereof. your buddy Willie today, and he had a guy on saying that most of those homes. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's like right in that area and properties all owned by HUD, and they don't pay property tax anyway. I don't know how true that is either. I get lots of information that seems to go back and forth, and I never know who to believe, you know, because even if you go researching it, a lot of times there's misinformation out there. Too, believe, so. believe a blonde-headed fat guy property owner. <laughs> Steve, hello. You're on 700 WLW on the nightcap. A topic never discussed. Talk to me. Yes, sir. I'm a combat Vietnam veteran. I get 100% uh, disability 
I got I've suffered from survivor's guilt from the Vietnam War hit with a landmine. Yes, I've used medical marijuana ever since I've left the jungles of Vietnam and in the jungles of Vietnam. Now I've watched all the laws and listened to everything as this that medical marijuana has been approved for people. But this is my topic. I like to understand where the, the politics are and where, where what we can do for people like me and other people that use medical marijuana that need it. And I, this is my this is my topic. Well, I, I like to know why we can't have uh, nonprofit dispensaries or either nonprofit cards for people like us that can't afford the medical marijuana to help ourselves. Well, Steve, I'll tell you, if the federal marijuana laws ever change, then that will be an approved by the VA kind of thing, and and you'll have that. We're still a ways away from that, though, Steve. And we brought up the brought up the topic of medical marijuana. And actually, re- recreational mar- marijuana several times on my programs, uh, and I, I have no problem with it at all. I mean, a nonprofit dispensary where it's cheaper for the people with us, like veterans and people that need it, okay. that that have have a nonprofit dispensary instead of all the profits going to all these people that are gonna own it and own it and all that stuff. Why can't they do something for us? us poor people well, that need it non-profit dispensary I, I got you your, your phone call just put it in the pipeline we'll see where it goes real quickly scott hi you're on the radio what's up first first of all i want to nominate c for color of the night uh god bless you steve i hope that that uh, comes true someday that'll be a that'll be a great day in america where we stop worrying about profit over uh medicating somebody that needs it especially somebody that fought for this country Right. But the thing I called in about, the thing I want to talk about is how we don't talk about how hot chicks are now today compared to <laughs> they were in the 1960s and 70s. It is ridiculous when I look at these chicks from your guys' heyday and how terrible they look compared to Kate Upton in the supermodels of the day. Whoa, 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 it whoa, is what do you mean? not even a comparison. Scott, what do you mean from my heyday? You sound like an old codger yourself. You've never, no, you've I'm never seen. I'm years old. I, I'm, well, how I'm, old do you think I am, Scott? You're uh, 67 as far no, as I know. No, I'm 57, and I'm a very well, young I'm a very young 57, right, so and and I know how hot chicks are today. And I tell you what, the hottest chick is my 49-year-old wife. Oh, come on. No, I'm, I'm honest. That was the safest thing you've ever said on air. No, it's not, it's not the safest thing I've ever said. It's the truest thing I've ever said on air. So you, you think you think chicks are like a thousand times hotter today than they were in the 70s and 80s? Agreed. I agree completely. You name, you name the girl from your time when you were an 18-year-old kid that was your number one. It was Jessica Legg with those boost teeth and those <laughs> banana boots. And I'm telling you right now, Kate Upton blows her out of the water every day of the week. Bo Derek is pretty hot. Close. Hey, Scott, let me ask you a question real quick. i, I got to take a break, but just give me a quick answer on this and, and wait till I finish my question, okay? All right, go ahead. <laughs> he sounds so have defeated. You, have, you got, have you got, like, a big poster of Kate Upton in your bedroom that you pleasure yourself in front of? No, I can't. I'm married. I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, anymore. listen to that. It's on, okay. his, it's on his phone. It's on his phone. Right now while he's talking to us. Honey, I'm in the bathroom. I'll be out in a minute. <laughs> Back after this on 700. Now you can chime in on any topic you'd like. 
But my question posed to you on this nightcap on 700 WLW, what are the topics you never hear discussed on the radio that you'd like to bring up? We had Nick talk about the uh, the housing abatements that are going to occur with this FC Cincinnati soccer stadium, and people never talk about that in the news. They talk about what it's going to cost the ownership, what it's going to cost for infrastructure, but what does it really cost to property owners in the city of Cincinnati? Good question. Uh, Steve brought up the prospect of providing medical marijuana to our our veterans who are disabled and in pain at no cost through a nonprofit dispensary. And Scott brought up the point that he believes that women today are much harder than they were in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And uh, yeah, I can't say I totally disagree with him, but... You know, there I, I can think of a few. DeAndre, what's on your mind? Hey, what's up, man? I ain't doing nothing, man. Just drinking and thriving. There you go, baby. <laughs> Sounds like what's nothing. What's up, Jeff, man? How, how you been, man? Sounds like nothing's changed since three years ago when I was on the air with you and Tracy Jones, man. You you still yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. Hey, and I see Tracy, man. Like I, I miss that dude, man. Yeah, me too. Yeah, what's going on with you, though, man? You, you thriving too, bro. I am here, man. I am here. I'm loud and clear, and you better believe I ain't going away. My man, soccer sucks, man. Soccer sucks. <laughs> he's Period. right. He's, well, I mean, you right. can't spell soccer with it, at least a couple of those letters. Or can't spell yeah. sucks without a F- couple letters in yeah. soccer. S-O-C, suck. <laughs> so what, what's absolutely terrible. Why, why are we going to spin? Not even me, man. I'm from Erlanger, man. I live off Garvey. I sit in front of the laundry mat. I sell these folding chairs. I'm actually about to deliver some right now for Memorial Day weekend party. Man, that's my hustle. But anyway, call me. Uh, who cares about some soccer? Hey, man, you I got dudes. Andre, you got dudes. Go. My bad. Go ahead. It's your show. I sling drinks for hillbillies at a bar in Newport. I live in Southgate, Kentucky. It's not going to affect me either in my pocket. So I, I get you. Yeah, but we all got opinions, man. Yes. And my my thing is this. Soccer Why sucks. You, yeah, definitely soccer sucks. <laughs> Why would you spend this amount of money to have people come into your stadium? You got dudes wearing an FC Cincinnati flag around his neck like a cape. This is just one picture I've seen. Around his neck, yeah. and he's got his body painted blue and orange. I don't want my kids to be around that. <laughs> Why would I want my kids to go watch a soccer game next to a half-naked man painted? I mean, they do that in NFL games, too, though. Not the ones I go to. They do that in every NFL stadium, no matter how cold it is. There's some fat, drunk idiot with his body painted. Uh, You know what? That's a great point. That's why I got the ticket, man. (laughs) So, DeAndre, what what sport do you like? Uh, Well, obviously, basketball. Basketball. Uh, I like baseball. Yeah. I love Billy Hamilton, man. He's fast. Oh, he is so fast. If he ever gets Amir on, Gary, if, he, if he ever, if he ever gets on base, Amir Gary is probably my favorite uh, Reds player right now. My favorite player uh, in the NBA is LeBron James. All right, uh, DeAndre, I'm up against the wall for news. How do you feel about soccer? Soccer sucks, man. <laughs> Seven hundred W.
Fighting Foo on a Wednesday night. This is a special edition of the Nightcap. We'll do it again tomorrow night from 9 to midnight. Gary Jeff Walker in studio, my friend Jay Armstrong, stand-up comedian. And the topic tonight, I'll let, in this half hour, I'll let you choose if you choose to call in. 513-749-7000, What topic do you never hear discussed on talk radio that you'd like to bring up? And you can do that. I got a topic right now that I've thought about for the last month or so as the hype continues to build over the Prince Harry, Meghan Markle wedding this Saturday, the royal wedding, another royal wedding. My question for you, Jay Armstrong, is this. How come so many Americans are pumped up over this? And uh, Let me finish. We fought a bloody seven-year war for independence from the British crown to found this country to get as far away from the king and the monarchy as we possibly could. <laughs> and now we act like we, we want King George back and we want him to rule us and, and the British monarchy to rule us. And, and it's an end-all, be-all kind of thing with a lot of people. And I think it's fine if they're excited about the impending nuptials of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. But I don't get it. I have a very short answer for this. All right. People are stupid. <laughs> That's as short as soccer just, sucks. It is, yeah. The Royals suck. Yeah. Not the Kansas City Royals. The British Royals. Terrible. I mean, but we spend all of this. I mean, all of the major, like, morning shows uh, and all of the networks flying people in to London to be a part of the spectacle of the royal wedding. I asked my wife. I figure, yeah, it's a woman thing, maybe. And I think mostly it is. But I asked my wife, I said, do you care about this? She goes, no. Yeah, you know, it's uh, just something to keep people distracted. You know, that's that's all it is. I, I think a lot of people just pretend to care. There's no reason to care. Some ginger twerp getting married, that's all it is. You know, maybe it's the fact that she's American and the fact she's once divorced and the fact that she's biracial maybe that's it maybe it's part of the the social justice movement that is so no, proud they, of they, prince they, harry for marrying out of his race and marrying an american and uh, breaking I, all the tradition they cared about all the other weddings too though yeah i know so i mean I, I don't think that that's it i think it's just that people are stupid and they don't have enough going on in their normal everyday life so that they look to the british royal family to be some kind of entertainment if you're listening right now and you truly care about this. I promise I will not demean you. I cannot promise that Jay Armstrong will not. I will. You. You're stupid. And no uncertain terms. Uh, so if you'd like to debate that, we can. <laughs> also got, uh, and this is pretty poignant, and obviously we talk a lot of politics and lots of what's going on in talk radio on, on both sides of the issue. But I got this.
email to Gary Jeff Walker at 700WLW.com. It says, are we in a civil war in this country politically? And here's, here's the contention that the writer makes. Two or more sides disagree on who runs the country, and they can't settle the question through elections because they don't even agree that elections are how you decide who's in charge. That's the basic issue. Who decides who runs the country? When you hate each other but accept the election results, you have a country. When you stop accepting election results, you have a countdown to a civil war. They make some salient points here. The Mueller inv- Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Investigation is about removing President Trump from office, a duly elected president, overturning the results of an election. We all know that. But it's not the first time they've done this. The first time a Republican president was elected this century they didn't they said he didn't really win the supreme court gave him the election he said there's a pattern what do sure odds of of the democrats rejecting the next republican president really mean it means that they don't accept the results of any election that they don't win it means they don't believe the transfer of power in this country are determined by elections that's a civil war there's no shooting at least not unless you account the attempt to kill a bunch of republicans at a charity baseball game practice but the Democrats have rejected our system of government. This isn't dissent. It's not disagreement. You can hate the other party. You can think they're the worst thing that ever happened to the country. But when you work harder to win the next election, when you consistently reject the results of elections that you don't win, what you want is a dictatorship, your very own dictatorship. I can't argue with what the writer's saying here. You know, I think uh, President Obama said it the best. No election in the Ameri- in the history of America has actually been stolen. And I would tell Mr. Trump to quit whining. So I would say to Democrats, quit whining. Absolutely. It never stops, though. I mean, their leader, their most recent leader said it's, it's, not, it's not even possible. So quit your whining. Even today, after President Trump's um, the confirmation of his, his payments, he had, he had to official, uh, fill out an official form that shows where the money went. Right. And it's on the back pages, but it said that he paid Michael Cohen X amount of dollars for reimbursements in his financial disclosure. He says that. Right. And the Democrats today are still saying, well, that's, that's not enough to – even Robert Mueller has confided as early as – as late as this week that the pres, President Trump is not the subject of any kind of indictment from his, his investigation. Right. Well, I mean, but they, they, wanna... keep, they keep calling for it, though. I have a theory, though. My theory is – and it kind of goes along with the, what the writer's saying here about the Democrats. The Democrats, if they don't win at the polls, they go to the courts. If they don't win in the courts, they go to the streets. And if they don't win in the streets, it's the John Wilkes Booth solution. But, of course, that requires a gun. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> I, uh, You know, people want to know where the money came from and where the money went and all that, except yeah. for when it comes to Michael Avenatti. Who's paying him? No doubt. I mean, Stormy Daniels has to have spent all of that 130 grand just on him. Oh yeah. Well, from what I understand, she said that uh, she hasn't paid him. Somebody else is paying him. Exactly. So, who do you who do you think that might be, Jay? I think it would be uh, Hillary Rodham Clinton's crew for sure. Huh? Maybe not her personally, but somebody uh, in the DNC, Debbie Washerman Schultz. Maybe she's pretty shady. Miss Ramen Noodle Hair. 
I love that. That's what I mean. Her hair looks like ramen noodles. Or somebody I, kicked a poodle until it was almost dead. <laughs> Great. I love it. We'll take a quick break. Come back with more with you and Jay Armstrong. I will remind you at 1030 tonight, right after the news at 1030. Jeremiah Larbus, who is uh, the CEO, manager of Midland Redskins Baseball Club who have elevated as many as 47 players to the major leagues in the time that they have been, and they're getting ready to kick off another two-month camp. Things are about to get crazy. You can watch the games over in Batavia, and he'll have the address for you. Also, Danny Hills, president of the Cincinnati FOP, will join us in the latter half of this hour. At 11 o'clock, psychic, medium, intuitive, Lisa Kaza. And also, uh, more on the Prince Harry, Meghan Markle, and she's got a totally different take than people are stupid. Uh, her name is uh, Kristen Sinatra Walker. No relation to me. She's <laughs> she's a CEO of Mental Health Radio Networks. <laughs> and so they're crazy, not stupid. No, it's she not said, their fault. She says it's good for your mental health to be excited about the wedding. I think uh. we'll have to listen to that. And eleven thirty, my IT guy Dave Hatter. Uh, and much more ahead on the nightcap. 700 W. So tell me here in the next 10 minutes, if there's a topic you never hear discussed on talk radio you'd like to bring up, you have until 1030 in the news. 513-749-7000. 1-800-843-2441. Gary Jeff with Jay Armstrong on the nightcap on 700 WLW. Here's a topic that we've discussed often. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's tragedy. We have to. But in the wake of the Parkland shooting and all of the, you know, enough is enough march. Another example of how the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is with a good guy with a gun. A school resource officer in Dixon, Illinois High School, being lauded as a hero for intervening when a former student, sound familiar, opened fire this morning near the school gym where the students were gathered for a graduation rehearsal. The officer, a 15-year department veteran, Mark Dallas, shot and injured the gunman after the suspect fired at the officer while trying to flee. The 19-year-old former student, was taken into custody. No one else injured in the gunfire exchange. Uh, state police conducting independent investigation would determine that what the suspect's identity would be released. Imagine if the guy who had been on the scene in Parkland had actually done his due diligence. Had not been a coward. And not been a coward. The cowards of Broward County. Uh, we probably wouldn't have seen all this death and mayhem and this massacre that ensued and probably would have saved ourselves a lot of grief as a nation having to put up with the ramifications of the aftermath of that. You know, after reading the news story that I just read, I think all these schools should hire packs of trained rabid wiener dogs. What? In Oklahoma, a 52-year-old woman uh, was attacked by a pack of vicious dogs described predominantly as Dotsons or wiener dogs. So they were pits? They weren't Rottweilers? No pit bulls, no Rottweilers. They were wiener dogs? Just wiener dogs. I mean, that's a tragedy. The woman's dead, Jay, so it let's keep that It is a in. tragedy, but I feel like if we had those dogs at every school, do you we'd think, be a lot safer. Do you think canine units across the country, police, will start training wiener dogs? I don't know. This one wiener dog apparently was so scary that it, a cop killed it because he was afraid. What a wiener dog at best is going to bite your ankles. I don't. I don't you know. Step man. on it. Maybe they were uh, created by Monsanto. Maybe they're like <laughs> oh God. super pumped up buff wiener dogs. Wiener dogs with roid rage. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I feel like uh, I feel like man, some Monsanto is probably on something like that. You know, 
So uh, is there a move afoot in Oklahoma now to ban wiener dogs? I don't know. I mean, does Oklahoma even have a state government? Yes, they do. Do they? Okay. Yes, they do. I wasn't sure because I know Arkansas never really has. Well, only when Bill Clinton was governor, they really didn't have. A I mean, he was too busy raising money to pay off victims of sexual assault <laughs> so they would drop stuff. So, I mean, they didn't really have one then. So I, I've never heard of a wiener dog attack in my Me life. Me either, but I want to see that. That's got to be the cutest murder ever. Oh, God. <laughs> Did you actually just say this? I think I did. You want to say? You want to tell your Princess Die joke? I tell you what. Let's let Mark uh, get his piece in first. Mark, of topics never here discussed on talk radio. What's on your mind? Yeah. Hey, nice talking to you. Um, why is FM radio the music channels? Why are they so terrible? It's it's just it's disgusting to me. Well, what's disgusting about FM music radio? Oh, if you listen to country, you you hear pop. If you listen to pop, you hear the same songs every day. You know, the same songs over and over. It's just, it's it's mind-draining. You know, it's like what somebody explained about TV at one time. It's, it's the vast mindlessness of... Radio FM. I mean, it's just terrible. I think they called TV the vast wasteland, so you're calling radio the vast mindlessness of music radio. Well, I'll tell you what. I know what. the answer. Oh. I know the real answer. To this. Okay, well, I, I've been in music radio for a long, long time, so I've got one too, but go ahead. It's because there are survey call centers all across this country that call people and play them little snippets of songs, and they rate the song. And... uh the people who are willing to take the surveys are those people who are stupid, just like the people who are super into the British royal family. And they request those same songs over and over again. It's like a focus group testing. It's stupid mind think, I think is what he's saying. But, you know, Mark, it's it's really often been that way. Now, in the early days of FM uh, album-oriented radio, there was a lot more experimentation, and you'd hear a, a lot uh, greater variety of music. But for the most part... Contemporary popular music channels are popular because they play the songs that most people want to hear, and they do it ad nauseum over and over again. Uh, but that's not really a new thing. It was that way in the 70s and the 60s and the 50s. I mean, the whole invention of Top 40 radio came with you'd basically play the, the same Top 10 songs every two hours, and you'd sneak in a little extra here and there. But it's not really much different than it was in the old days. But Hope that answers your question. I used to work in that call center for Clear Channel back when Clear Channel was a thing. But it's not just Clear Channel. It's, it's all, not, yeah, all, it's all the companies. Of them. Yeah, they, I mean, but they call and they, they have do these surveys, music research companies. And the people who are sitting in their house willing to take the survey, because that's one of the things I used to say to people to get them to take the survey. I would say, you know those same 10 songs you're tired of hearing? Well, the people that are taking these surveys ain't tired of them. So you might want to take the survey. <laughs> My numbers were through the roof. Oh, really? Yeah. So you were actually good at that. I, I was fairly good at it, but I was also on a lot of cocaine back then. So I, I was on the air, but there was a point in time where they made us spend some time at critical mass and do the call-out surveys. The most, you, you think that the radio stations are mind-numbing. Boy, it's mind-numbing making those calls and having a supervisor standing over you waiting for your results. I can't so you, even, you were actually good at it. I can't tell you how many song, how many times I heard that stupid Hoobastank song 
I can't even remember the words now, but it made me like borderline suicidal for a long time. Well, hopefully Dean will pull you out of this. Dean in Columbus, hello. You're on the nightcap. Hey, how you how doing? How you doing, Gary, Jeff? I'm fine. How are you? Hey, I, I agree with that guy. Man, music today, my daughter is 40. If I ride from Westerville to downtown Columbus and back, I hear the same song three or four times. It drives me crazy. Well, All of the music sounds just alike. They don't use musicians. All they do is make beats and, and rap over it or sing over it. There's no musicianship out. I, I told my grandson, he's 16, I can't remember the last time an African-American band played where they had instrumentation. That would be, know, the, be the Commodores and Earth, Wind, and Fire. That was about the last one. Oh, you got Prince. Oh, yeah. Prince, Prince was yeah, a legit, Prince, full-on, amazing Prince, musician. Yeah. Yeah. Prince was amazing. But but now we don't we don't have any of that. They're just making beats. And that's why I only listen to jazz. If I don't listen to that, I listen to Steely Dan, Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, see, that's good. You're, you're, you're preaching to the choir with that stuff, man. I love that. That's, that's my it, jam. That drives me crazy. They, they make somebody know eight chords, and they make him a record producer. Well, you know, the only difference between Michael Jackson and the hip-hop stars of today is the hip-hop stars of the day do grab their crotch, but they have no talent. Zero. Right. <laughs> there is. Right. A- Thanks, Dean. There's an all-black metal band called Body Count that's playing Rock on the Range. So if, if anybody's going to that, go yeah. check out Rock. By the on- way, uh, Jay will be at Rock on the Range in Columbus this weekend. I'll uh, be there Friday, six fifteen in the Comedy Tent. Uh, which Body Count is actually playing at like five forty-five, and their set ends at six fifteen. So I have to go watch part of that and then run as fast as I can over to the Comedy Tent to get on stage. Super bummed about that. Love Body Count. All right. And lots of people love Jay Armstrong, too. And if uh, you get a chance... Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Is there any way for people to find out where you are other than Rockin' the Range? Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Jay Armstrong Comedy. I, I've been going through a lot of stuff here lately, trying to get a, a new place to live and whatnot. Right. So I haven't updated it a lot. Uh, but if you are looking to see me locally, uh, next weekend, the 26th, I'll be at Listerman Brewing. And then uh, on June 9th, I'm doing a uh, pretty cool charity like festival that uh, benefits uh, Proclaim Justice, which is kind of like the Innocence Project. They yeah. go out and try to find cases. Like We have the best justice system in the world, but it's still full of humans. They make mistakes, so they try to go fix those mistakes. But that will be at the Southgate House Revival on June 9th. Fantastic. Jerry Armstrong, thank you very much. Jeremiah Larbus from Midland Baseball. The Redskins coming up after news at 700 W. It is the nightcap on 700 WLW. Joining us, a guest that we've had on in the past, a guy who is the manager with Midland Baseball Club here in Cincinnati, Jeremiah Larbus, as I call him, the Big J. Looking forward to uh, getting crazy, aren't you, Jeremiah? Absolutely. It, time, time's right here. Before we know it, we'll be out there going. Well, tell me, if you will, and, and for people that don't know, and I'm sure most people in Cincinnati who know anything about baseball know about the Midland Baseball Club, but what is it you exactly do? Um, I am the business GM general manager for the Midland organization. So 
Um, we actually we have 14 teams, um, but our premier team is our Midland, the Midland Redskins. Um, it's a team that's based on pretty much of between 16 and 18 year olds. Um, we get kids, we recruit kids from all over the place. Um, quite a few Cincinnati kids actually this year again. Um, we you know bring them in. They stay here for the summer. We treat it like pretty much like a major league program. They come in, they'll work out in the morning, they'll go home, they'll come back, and they'll either we either have a practice in the evening or we'll play a game. So it's it's for two months. Uh, we travel. We have three tournaments we travel to. Um, and besides that, then you know we we have an automatic bid um, out to the World Series in Farmington, New Mexico, which is pretty much our marquee event of the year. That that's what we try to, to accomplish every year is be the Connemac champions. There you go. Now again. This is not an organization where parents can just bring their kids out for a tryout. You do recruit. recruit. Tell me a little bit about that process. We do. Recruiting is, for, for our team, we have a, we have a recruiting coordinator. Um, well, actually, we have two of them. Uh, Bart Hammock, who's been with the program, played in the program. Um, and then Chuck Warden, who is also a, a local high school coach over at Loveland High School. Um, those two guys are pretty much our guys that are on the ground talking to guys, uh, talking to college coaches. Uh, you know, pounding the pavement, looking at video, watching tapes, uh, going to perfect game events, um, traveling up to Chicago and some other places to look at kids during showcases um, to try to get them to come here. Some of our kids actually come via college coaches who, if they're playing for, you know, a, a Division One school, Tennessee, Texas, Tech, you know, any of those places, They'll, you know, they'll give us a call and say, hey, we got a guy here. You know, we think he'd be a great fit for your program. We want him to come play some ball for you. Um, you know, some coaches are wanting kids to come early to school, but there still are some college coaches out there that want those younger guys to go out and still get another summer of uh, very good competitive baseball under their belt. Is this a lot like uh, AAU basketball camps over the summer? Same kind of thing? or? Uh, yeah, like what they'll do is there's a, 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 like a Super 60, you know, some of these things you're invited to. It's by invite only, and it's just for the top players in the country. So, and it's just a showcase for them to get seen by colleges and then people like us. So we'll travel up there, watch them, you know, see, if, you know, if we're missing, you know, do we need another outfielder? Do we need an infielder? You know, this guy's come highly recommended. Let's go see what he looks like, see what happens, and then, and, and do that. Um, and then, you know, like I said, a lot of it is, is by word of mouth also. You know, we'll get guys that, you know, recommend us guys that have, they've always been good in the past where they say, hey, this, you know, you need to go look at this guy. And they haven't done us wrong. All the guys that they send us are, you know, good dudes. Well, let's do a little name dropping. I know that you recently had a Midland uh, camp graduate who signed a big contract. Tell we me did. about Eric that. Osmer. Yep. Eric Osmer played here. Uh, you know, of course, was out in uh, Kansas City for a long time, and then just uh, just signed a contract out. You know, with with uh, with San Diego out there, and and he's you know a big time guy that played here. Um, you know, does some stuff for the organization, still gives back to the organization. Great guy. Uh, you know, we've got two Midland Redskins on the Cincinnati Reds right now. Another one being Matt Harvey and Scooter Jeanette. Um, we've got two Midland Redskins on the the White Sox right now. Carson Fulmer. And then you also have um, Adam Engel, too. Yeah. Now, Carson goes, you know, he goes back and forth, but, you know, he plays up there quite a bit. I was talking to my friend Tracy Jones, whose son Hunter is now in AAA, and I don't mean to jinx right. him. And it's it's been quite a while that 
Hunter's been making this this journey. It's been about five years for Hunter. But I was talking with Tracy about it. There is such a quantum leap difference between, say, a high school kid who's really talented and really starts to make waves and a college kid or maybe somebody who plays at a place like the, the Midland Redskins and the major leagues. It is such a hard journey. It it's It's amazing how few of the really good ones get through to the big leagues, but you guys have had a lot of success. Tell me about some of your past success stories with Midland. Yeah, you know, we do. We have, we, we, you know, we've had, of course, you know, if you look at our board, there's, you know, over, there's 47 plus names out there that have guys that have come through this program. Um, you know, that there were on major league rosters that have played out of this building and out of this park. Um, you know, you can go back, you know, we've got, you know, Barry Larkin, Ken Griffey Jr., Ron Oster. You know, it, it's just the history around here. Um, you know, Welch played here too. Uh, the history around here, it's, it's just amazing. The tradition is unbelievable. Um, the support of the program is, is wonderful. You know, Andrew Benatendi is another big name that came out of, out of here. Right. That, um, is playing for, for, you know, the Boston Red Sox now. He was a three-year player here, uh, you know, doing a great job. And, you know, there's, there's another, another kid that, that is working hard that, you know, another three-year player that played here, you know, Zach Shannon, but he's just a D2. He's a D2 guy, um, but he is absolutely killing it out there. So his, his numbers are unbelievable. But wouldn't you agree, though, for parents that have aspirations, they've got a talented kid. You know, he's talented at one level. He's talented at the next level. What do you think Midland accomplishes for those kids who are talented but might otherwise go unseen? Well, what we do is, is, is we're a little bit different because the perfect games of the country and things like that where it's just all about basically, you know, numbers, getting your kids out there. It's basically like, almost like a cattle call, getting them there, trying to get them seen and all that. <clears throat> On an average day here at Midland, like I said, we get our kids up. They're here. They're working out. We have a strength and conditioning coordinator, um, Adam Zabo, who has his own company. He's a great guy, um, very well-renowned. Um, comes out here, does his job. We get them with some strength, some body weight, some dumbbell stuff. They do a tons of plyos and agilities. Then, you know, we'll send them home for the day, like I said. Then they come back in the afternoon, and we we run sometimes, you know, two hours, sometimes even a little bit longer practice. Our pitchers are off doing their own thing. Chuck's got them. Chuck Warden has got them. You know, they, they do their, their bands. They do their, their heavy balls. They do, you know, um, all the bullpens we throw and all that kind of stuff, the technical stuff. Um, Chuck's working with every single one of those guys. Then we've got Bart Hammock, who's, like I said, was our other recruiting guy. He, kept, he does the catchers, and, and uh, he works with the infield. So he's working with those guys. Uh, Mark Hopkins is another longtime Midland coach working with the outfielders. He's also our hitting coach. So they're, you know, we're doing base running. We're working on, you know, PFPs. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're doing everything that it takes, you know, tracking fly balls, turning on fly balls the correct way. So there's a lot of fine instructions, just not like those tournament teams where they just show up on weekends and play. Right. It, it's, you know, they're here. They're getting an instruction. They're getting the daily grind. They, they know what it's like to go to either a college or even into the major leagues. Sure. You know, I had we listened to Barry Larkin talk one day, and he he was talking about his son playing, and and then him seeing guys, 
um, from going around the minor leagues and doing the role that he's doing, talking to these young guys that they come into spring training and they come into these practices and they don't know how to practice. They've never really done it. All they've done is play games, you know, with their summer teams and these other, you know, places like this when they're drafted out of high school. Wow. Um, and he, and, you know, he, and that's when he, you know, he mentions us and says, you know, what a, what a good program it is and what kind of we, you know, we develop players. We don't just bring players in to, you know, be the best team in the world. You know, we'll take a, a bubble kid and make him a great kid. Yeah. So, so real quickly in the like 45 seconds I've got left, Jeremiah Larbus, tell me where people can watch some of this talent. Uh, you can come out to, it's actually, uh, uh, 4101 Founders Boulevard. It's out in Batavia. Um, it's a Midland Complex. If you Google it, you'll you'll be able to find it. Um, it's you know ball games are free. We do charge on the mission, but weeknight games are free. Great stands, good food, and everything else. We're also having a golf outing next Friday. If anybody wants to get in that, <laughs> how, how do they get how do they get involved with that? Uh, just email me at uh, midlandredskins at yahoo.com. We've got a couple foursomes. It's a legendary run. It's $125 a person. You get a full lunch, a full dinner, all-day golf, silent auction, great prizes, and everything else. Jeremiah Larvis, Midland Baseball Club, thank you so much for your time, sir, and we'll talk to you soon, okay? Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. All right. More ahead on the Nightcap on 700 WLW. Now, ladies and gentlemen, talking with Cincinnati President of the Fraternal Order of Police, my friend Danny Hills. How are you this evening, Dan? Gary Jeff, I'm fine this evening. How about yourself? Well, to say the least, it has been a very, very tumultuous past year for yourself and the Cincinnati Police Department. Did did you ever think that some of the roller coaster ride that we've all been on was was going to happen? I mean, I, I guess life happens when you're making other plans, but it's, I mean, it's been a pretty rocky road at some points, hasn't it? Yes, it has. And no, I mean, who could have predicted all the things that, uh, you know, we've seen and that I've experienced in this, uh, assignment. I mean, it would be impossible to predict that. Um, I mean, from, from, from Sunny Hill to Ray Tenzing to the firing of chief Blackwell, to the resignation of Harry Black, and then, of course, more recently, the Kyle, you, the Kyle Plush case. It's been. Did you mean Sonny Kim? That's what I meant, Sonny Kim. Yeah, Sonny Kim did occur before my watch at the FOP. Right. Um, However, but, I mean, you're still dealing with the aftermath, obviously. Any, any fallen police officer is a part of your greater family, and you obviously knew Sonny Kim. So, I mean. Just describe some of the range of emotions that he you have gone through, and you had personal losses yourself with your daughter, and it's just been a really wild ride. I don't know, to be honest with you, if, were it me, that I would have been able to hold up as well as you appear to have. Well, you know, uh, when you talk to my daughter, um, it's not what I expected to talk about on the radio no. show, but that's where we are right now. I. I, I learned so much from from her, and um, life is a gift, and um, every breath is a gift. And um, you know, for whatever reason, God, you know, chose that. I guess that I I ended up in this position here and now. And um, you know, I, I think I devote every every bit I do to to her and her passion for life. Now, a lot of people. You know, when they go through a loss, they decide to start a, 
a run or a benefit or something sure. in their child's name. And, you know, I, I just, I'd seen enough of that and that's not what I wanted to do. I just, uh, um, you know, I was ready the FOP president when she passed right. and I said, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to be as passionate about life as, as she was. And she was, she was a passion. She was passionate about the music she listened to. She was passionate about how much, uh, she loved her family and her friends. Right. And, um, and, and I, um, I'm passionate about, uh, defending police officers. I've been one for 31 years, 33, if I count my two years as an MP in the army. And, um, uh, you know, they're just a, a group of people that I love. I just, I, I think that, uh, they're, they're like all others. There's, there's a bad apple here and there. And there are people that make mistakes here and there, but in general, they are just a, a neat bunch of people. And, and I'll fast forward and, and go right to this Kyle Plush case, you know, um, maybe because I've had a loss of my own that I'm not afraid to speak and not afraid to speak my mind. I, I know in my heart of hearts, the police officers did absolutely nothing wrong. But I also know in my heart of hearts that most people will probably never be able to see what I know is that there is a great chasm, a, a canyon, actually, between what the officers knew at the time and what we all know now was actually occurring. Yeah. The the radio run is what we call it, you know, the dispatch um, that they received made them believe that they had a a uh, a woman that was having trouble with her locks, more or less, and was was trapped inside her car. Something I could picture happening. I cannot picture what happened to Kyle Plush. Um, as much as I I've seen the diagrams and everything else, it is just such a unusual occurrence and incident. Right. It's something nobody could have ever dreamed of. And those officers didn't dream it was occurring. If they would have had an inkling, a thought that that was occurring, I'm, I'm telling you, Gary Jeff, they would have broke out every van window from from uh, Seven Hill School to Madisonville to Oakley to sure. uh, wherever else they would have had to do to find him and to save his life. That's not what they thought was occurring. And with what they thought was occurring matched very much what happens with such a large percentage of our dispatches, which is, Runs with, you know, partial information, bad information, um, you know, uh, bad locations, all these things. That's what they thought they had. And they spent 14 minutes there and they talked to a deputy and they tried to call the cell phone. And now all the politicians that are Monday morning quarterbacking because they have no inkling what it's like to, to answer a dozen radio runs in a day. And, um, most of the time when you get called to something, you get called to trouble. That's what police get called to. They get called to trouble. They either they either find there is no trouble or the trouble finds them. As soon as you get close, people right. start calling you out, pointing. Uh, you know, we, we spend less time sometimes on shooting runs than what was spent on the Kyle Thrush run because they get to the intersection where the reported shooting was, and they see no reaction. They, they can tell the difference. I can tell the difference. After 31 years, as I'm approaching the scene, whether or not a shooting occurred or not, sure. and we often get bad runs where they say, "Oh, I'll respond for a shooting here at the intersection of Burnet and Rockdale." That's where a lot of shootings occurred when I was a young policeman. <laughs> now it's all Children's Hospital property, but um, and you could, as soon as you got close, you could tell, "Oh, this is a good one," or "This is a bad one." Sure. And and, and everything told these officers, and everything would have told any reasonable officer that. There's no woman that's locked inside her car. She's calling people's attention. Well, Dan this Hills, is, 
Dan Hills, else. I, I appreciate yes, you coming on tonight, and I didn't mean to touch any emotional nerves, but yeah, like I said, it's it's been an emotional run for a lot of folks, and uh, sometimes you got to put the emotions and politics aside and just look at the facts, and uh, I believe that Chief Isaac laid those out Monday. I appreciate your time, sir. There, Jeff. Uh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Anytime at all. More Nightcap just ahead on 700 WLW. Into another hour of this nightcap for this Wednesday evening, May 16, 2018. Joining us on the telephone, Lisa Kaza, a professional psychic medium intuitive. Been doing this for 20 years, a clairvoyant. It's great to have you along, Lisa. How are you? Hi, not too bad. Thank you for having me. Now, I'm, I'm the kind of person who likes to be surprised by life, so I don't want any readings on me. But <laughs> my producer, Terrence, uh, Taryn Bland, Mm-hmm. His birthday is August 25th, 1992. He's new in the business. So let's give Taryn a reading. He doesn't even know I'm doing this right now. Uh, oh, okay. August well, that... 25th, 1992. 92. Okay. Uh, let's see here. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. Um, what he doesn't realize, the first thing that I got right away is that... He's just starting out, yes. and um, as you just said, but the thing is, he's going to be going places. Um, I see him as ultimately, like later on, I'd have to say, well, it's not going to be right away, but I'm seeing here within, ooh, I'll say at the start, yeah, four or five years, five years I'll, I'll give myself He's going to be doing a lot of his own work. I mean, um, I don't know if it's his own shows or producing. Um, he's he's going to start to get very well known, and he needs to stick with it. Um, and the reason why I'm saying stick with it is because I have this strong sense of that, well, one, he's not giving himself enough credit. Okay. Um, there is not, like, a, I don't feel a very strong amount of um, confidence, self-confidence. So he needs to give himself the patience and the time. Excellent. Be- because I get the sense that he's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing, and he needs to remember that he can't, you know, start off right up at the top of the ladder. You have to work your way up. Sure. And I'm seeing that, and he's going to be very successful. Very, very successful, Terrence. Yeah. You hear that, Taryn? You're, you're going to be very successful. And you know, a lot of what you said, I've already seen in him. Oh, uh, he's very, there very, you go. he's very young. He's already starting to to do his own podcasts and stuff with a friend of his. Oh wow! And there he's he is extremely intelligent and he's extremely talented and you're right he's at the bottom rung of the ladder but i don't see it being long before he keeps climbing that ladder if he continues on his path and i think that's great advice back in the mid 80s 
and I've been doing this for almost 38 years, been in radio. It was my dream when I was seven years old. When I was 19, I started working professionally. I'm 57 now. Next month will be my 38th anniversary in this business. And in 1986, there was a psychic intuitive in Nashville. And I, I told her the same thing. I really don't want to know much. I wanted to ask you, will I be successful? And she mm-hmm. said, you will, but it'll be much different than what you're doing now. And she couldn't have been more on the money because the technology changed. Uh, right. Telecommunications laws changed, allowed me to do a lot more things that I ever imagined I would do in this business. So, yeah, she was right on the money. When did you understand that you had these intuitive skills? Was it early on? Um, actually, I have to be honest with you and say no. It wasn't er- like, um, I didn't have full understanding until I was maybe 19 or 20. Okay. But the thing is, I was having experiences from the ages of, well, from what I can remember, I'll say age five, age, age six. Um, and then, you know, you fast forward to, this is one of the most significant things in, that ever happened to me in my life. I, I'd have to be anywhere, 11 or 12 years old. And I, you know, try to make a long story short, is I said to my, my grandmother, I was so upset, so worried, so scared. And we were on our way to a supper, a, a supper, family supper. And I'm going, Nana, we're going to have a tornado. We're going to have a tornado. And I was so incessant on it, it actually peeved her off. And my grandmother never, ever swears. But <laughs> in those moments, obviously, I got on her nerves, and she was, Lisa, for Christ's sake, shut the hell up. Right. <laughs> but the thing was, I'd have to say maybe two and a half hours later, unfortunately, it happened. But the thing was, uh, I think the reason why I felt it so strongly was because um, there were uh, 14 tornadoes that touched down in the one day wow yeah yeah this is going back many years in the 80s like i said i was you know 11 12 years old at the most and um to this day people call it black friday survivors of of that day now where where, where where in the country was this lisa um, this was in Canada, okay. so Ontario, and it's historically, you can look it up. Um, actually, I have it in my blog, uh, a story about my, my earliest prediction, of, you know, the tornado outbreak. And, um, but, yeah, you can search it up. Um, but it's, it was in Ontario. The, the, uh, the areas that were hit specifically were Barrie, um, Holland Landing, Orangeville, um, those areas in Ontario, wow. Canada. Well, let me ask you this. How many people do you believe actually have this intuitive ability and they either turn it off or ignore it or they dismiss it? Everybody has the ability. But what you just said is key, is some people ignore it, some people, you know, discount it, don't believe. But every single person on this planet has intuitiveness. Um, Of of course, there's other abilities, like, for example, there's mediumship, you know, people that speak with spirits. Um, a lot of us apparently do you Do, do that you do that? Well. Do you do that? Once in a while. Yeah. I, I, it's, not, it's not all the time, and it's, us, and it's not usually when I want to. It's usually when the spirits the spirit come to me. Right. 
And and then, but the thing is, then I have the hard detective work of trying to figure out who the spirit was trying to communicate with. Well, let me tell you about mine real quickly in in the couple of minutes we've got left. I, I'd love to invite you back on to maybe do some readings for listeners sometimes if you'd be willing to do that. Oh, awesome. Absolutely. Okay. Um, my wife and I, our full-time job is at a local bar. We're bartenders. Oh, wow. And here's what happens. And it's happened on so many occasions, I can't deny it now. Mm-hmm. I'll wake up in the morning and I'll think of a customer who's not a regular customer, but someone we haven't seen maybe in a month or two. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, that day out of the blue, they will come in. And she's had it happen to her, too. It's just, it's crazy. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> and In fact, we, we've been at the bar right after we opened. I said, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so for a while. And five seconds later, they'll come walking around the corner. It may have been three months since the last time we saw them. Um, I would have to say that that would be, you know, evidence of how we're all connected as as one, you know. Um, and when you tune in like that, you don't realize you're tuning in. I mean, that's happened to me as well. You know, all of a sudden I get that phone call out of the blue or and I'm just thinking about them or that email, you know. Yeah. But it's uh, evidence right there, and it's not. There's no such thing as coincidence in this world. Everything oh, I, happens for a reason. I believe that wholeheartedly. Lisa, wh- where's your blog? Can people find you on your blog? Or yeah, you can just uh, go to my official website at lisacaza.com. L i s a c a z a, and you will see right on the top. Um, it says uh, Lisa's blog, and you go there, and there's. Uh, a lot of informative, informative, spiritual, and even uplifting articles that people can read for their own enjoyment or learning. All right. Well, fantastic. It's, it's, it's so, uh, so much a pleasure to talk to you tonight, and I appreciate Taryn's reading. Oh, not a problem. I hope that he does, but I hope that he, you know, takes it to heart because I meant every word that I said. He's going to be going places. So uh, he's getting a lot of encouragement. He's doing exactly what he's supposed to be doing, but he needs to give himself patience and time and credit. All right. (laughs) Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me. You have an awesome week. Oh, yeah, already has been, and in part thanks to you. More of the Nightcap just had on 700 WLW. Up next on 700 WLW on the Nightcap, we're talking with uh, Kristen Sonata-Walker, who is the CEO of Mental Health Radio Network. She has her own podcast and her own network. And we're talking about another royal wedding and the clamor surrounding it. Kristen, good evening. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing great. Oh, Thanks are for you? having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being had, as I like to say. So <laughs> let me ask you, are you absolutely giddy? Are you beside yourself like an old analog picture on a tv set about <laughs> prince harry and Meghan markle getting wed this saturday i'm not but i'm glad that so many people are excited about it is it a sign of mental illness that they are <laughs> no it's a sign of mental health there's so much going on in the world that's dysfunctional toxic sad i mean to get excited about something like this that's you know it's a great distraction 
Let me tell you this, and, and just as from a personal perspective, the first time I got married to my current wife, I said the first time, <laughs> I was <laughs> hosting a Breakfast with the Beatles radio show every Sunday morning, and I thought it would be a wonderful idea to rent out the room for our honeymoon after the ceremony at the Vernon Manor Hotel where the Beatles had stayed, either on their first or last visit to Cincinnati, I can't remember, back in the mid-60s. So not only did we rent out the Beatles suite for our honeymoon, but we had a remote unit installed, and I did the program <clears throat> from <laughs> our honeymoon bed. It did not go over very well. Uh, there's I a, can imagine. There's a certain thing about something so personal being such a public spectacle that I learned mm. and my then wife and now wife again has reminded me of that that was a very stupid idea. So, I mean, how does it affect the mental health of, say, Harry and Meghan to have this kind of spotlight? It's kind of hard to avoid when you're part of the royal family. It is. And, you know, he didn't get a choice, but she certainly did. And um, I love, the, you know, the younger generation of royals because they do talk about mental health and they're, you know, very open about their struggles. So they're not going to, you know, get any negative uh, talk from me about that. So, you know, sh she made a choice and um, she's handling it with aplomb, I, I imagine. Absolutely. Um, let me ask you this, too. And this is something I brought up earlier in the program tonight. What, what astounds me about the fascination with the royals themselves in our country is that we fought a bloody seven-year war to be free of the crown of England. And right. seemingly ever since, we can't wait to hear more news about the royal family in England. It just seems like a dichotomy that's kind of hard for me to justify. Oh, it's escapism. I mean, aren't, aren't we Americans just so good at wanting to escape and, and be involved in people's personas? So this is just another escape. Yeah, I mean, can any of the royal weddings match up to the glamour and hype of Diana and Charles, though? I don't think so, but I think this comes awfully close. Um, that one was, you know, topped it all. But uh, see, we have so much invested in her kids and her kids being happy and doing well because sure. of what happened to their mother. So there's there's more heart, I think, involved in this one than there was even with Diana's wedding. So you think it's more distraction and fantasy and escapism than it is hiding from the truth of, of the reality of our society? Well, I think that that's why there's fantasy and escapism, sure. because we're trying to distract ourselves from exactly what is going on right in front of us. So, yeah, I think I think it's it's just a symptom of what we're doing. I don't know if you've dealt with this at all. We're talking to Kristen Sonata Walker from the Mental Health Radio Networks. It seems that millennials are more and more uh, accustomed to depression. There's been study after study done. What do you think the reason for that is? Well, I think the biggest reason is the advent of social media. We didn't have that when I, I was a kid, and we have that now. So that ability to create a false life and have everyone see it and sort of live vicariously through a persona and be a superstar for a day, depending on how much you, you know, how crazy you are on social media and how out there you are, that, you know, gives way to a lot of 
millennials um, feeding their narcissism, which is not very healthy. No, it's not. But, I mean, you see our leaders being so narcissistic. And I'm not just talking about the current president. I think the former president was very narcissistic in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. I, you see our leadership being so narcissistic. It's kind of hard for them to... Yeah, you know, I, I always thought that the younger generation would revolt against what the status quo or the establishment did, but it seems like they're following it lockstep when it comes to narcissism anyway. Well, it's what they're being shown is what's important. I think this is the generation that's going to have to deal with the effects of social media. Um, Hopefully we will put some things in place and see just how damaging this is if used poorly, because I'm not blaming social media. I'm blaming how it's used. We feed it and it feeds us. And um, hopefully the next generation after this one will, you know, be able to deal with the ramifications of it. We'll have one of those long-term studies to see what's happened to our brains, why, you know, feeding the beast became part of this generation's psyche, and how do we combat this so that we don't do this again? Well, it's really the age-old question, the chicken and egg question. Does life imitate art or does art imitate life, or is it both? That's a great question. I don't have the answer. (laughs) What else are you talking about these days on the Mental Health Radio Network? Well, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of talk. I tell you, the most shows that get downloaded are any where we discuss narcissism. That's the top download of the day. Um, Other than that, it's, of course, the opioid epidemic, and then eating disorders um, is trending very hotly, too. So those are the big topics. I I always feel pretty hypocritic sometimes when I talk about narcissism because – I've been, I've had a platform. I've been on the radio for 38 years. And for me to demean or to poo poo somebody saying, look at me sounds again, kind of hypocritical. Um, <laughs> but it is a problem. And like you, I did not grow up with the influx of social media we have today. And I think it is a great problem in our society. But let's, let's tweet about the, the royal wedding. Let's have a good time. <laughs> you know, I'd say that's an awful thing, except with everything that's going on, if it doesn't seem like it's damaging or hurting anyone to be excited sure. about this. Right. So why not, you know? Kristen Sonata-Walker, Mental Health Radio Network, the CEO of that organization. We thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. Uh, you bet. Coming up, Dave Hatter, our IT tech guy, the Mad Hatter, as the nightcap continues on 700 WLW. It is a nightcap on News Radio 700 WLW. Joining us, my IT guy, the Mad Hatter, Dave Hatter, the mayor of Fort Wright, a very busy man, but he still finds time to take time out to talk to me, which makes me feel extremely honored. How are you doing, Dave? I'm doing good, Gary Jeff, and it's always my pleasure. We have a good time. Yes, sir. Uh, so according to the story in the New York Times, Alexa and Siri can hear a hidden secret command, and we can't. What, what's that all about? Yeah, you know, this is something that I've been concerned about with these things all along. You know, I have no um, devices like Siri, Google Home, uh, Amazon Echo. I kind of mixing up terms here. Siri is not the device, it's the phone, right? But these artificial intelligence bots, personal assistants, if you will, and uh, it's been demonstrated that in addition to the fact that you can send it secret commands, as scientists have proven, things that are below the audible range of hearing for a human being, but these devices can pick up. It's also been shown many times that 
the devices get activated by people's kids, the devices get activated by things on TV. So in addition to just being a general privacy hole in your house, having a device that is designed to listen to you and in theory only act when you say it's hot word or go word or activation phrase, um, you know, and, and there's there's been privacy issues around this. Google Home had some issues. Now it's been shown that through malicious intent, someone, depending on what you have these things hooked up to in your home, could do something like unlock your doors. So, uh, yeah, seems crazy to me. I don't really understand why people like these things. Um, it, there may come a time when the kinks are worked out and it's well known how they behave, what's going on, but this stuff is way too new for me, and you're just setting yourself up for disaster as scientists and security researchers are now demonstrating by manipulating these things, again, at a subaudible level that you as a human being can't hear. Well, I mean, does this have anything to do with uh, media outlets like ours are now broadcasting liners that say, Alexa, please play 700 WLW. I mean, does that have anything to do with it either? I, it does. That's I think that, well, I can't say for sure, but I'm sure that's the intent um, so that if someone does happen to have an Alexa around, it would turn it on and play 700 WLW. Um, well, which it, is it all, been, which is all the better for us. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good, good thing for 700 WLW. Although, if you think about it for a second, they already have to be listening to 700 WLW for that to work, right? Yeah, I guess. Because how would how would the Alexa hear it if uh, if they don't hear that command? That is true. Um, but you know, when you get right down to it, I'm not saying these things can't be a a novelty item and b provide some convenience for you. I'm just saying at this point. We've seen these devices have flaws that have led to all kinds of information being leaked. We're seeing examples where, again, inadvertently because of a TV or a radio or because someone is purposely trying to hack the system, these things can be asked to carry out commands um, without your consent necessarily. So I just think it's, it's way too early in the game. There's not a chance I would have one of these in my house. Other big story, and I saw this about a week ago, was talking to someone at the bar, one of my customers, about this, who's very suspicious of... With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The government, as I am too, because, well, we're all conspiracy theory nuts with aluminum foil hats. <laughs> uh, the NSA, last year, in 2017... Now, get that there are 320 million people thereabouts, not counting all of the illegal aliens in the United States. The National Security Agency collected 534 million records of phone calls and text messages of Americans last year. That's more than triple the amount in 2016. But if you think about it, put into context, 320 million citizens of the United States 534 million records of phone calls and text records collected by the NSA of American citizens. Not These aren't foreign calls. These are of American citizens collected in America. That really is frightening to me. Uh, I'm going to completely agree with you, Gary, Jeff. 
you know, I wasn't a fan of the Patriot Act back when it was passed. I suspected way back then it would lead to this kind of thing. And, you know, we only know about all of this stuff because of the Snowden leak. So whatever folks' opinions are about Snowden, he at least has exposed that the government has been doing what many of us suspected all along, which is pretty much sucking down everything they can out of the sky. Now, obviously, at 534 million records collected, again, a gigantic increase over the previous year, that's way less than the probably billions of calls that are happening every day. But you've got to ask yourself the question, how does that make sense for an American citizen to be surveilled like this? And then secondarily, um, as far as I know, I could be wrong. Maybe a caller can call in and, and prove me wrong here. I don't believe there is an on-record case where any of this information has ever been used to actually stop any sort of attack or anything like that. And the, the thing that's more disturbing to me about all of this is it's bad enough that they're collecting this, but I don't think people really understand that out at this new NSA data center they just recently um, built, it has the capability to store this stuff, both voice and metadata, you know, who did you call, when did you call them, how long were you on the phone, all that stuff that gives insight into the call itself without necessarily the voice, um, pretty much forever at this point. So while I know this sounds extremely conspiratorial and tinfoil hat um, oriented, you know, what you're talking about today that's perfectly legal 10 years from now could be a crime. What's to say that they won't have a data mining algorithms that go back and comb this stuff and suddenly now you're a criminal? And again, I know this sounds kind of conspiratorial and crazy, but I don't think people fully understand how this information can be stored how it can be mined, how it could potentially be hacked and used against you at some point. We already know that the, the CIA has been hacked, the Air Force has been hacked. I'd like to think the NSA couldn't be hacked, but I doubt that's true. So, yeah, I just, I just think this is bad across the board. And, you know, I've never heard any justification that, in my opinion, as a you know, sort of libertarian-minded person who wants the government to leave them alone, um, that justifies what they're doing here. Well, I'm still waiting on the Freedom of Information uh, request that I put in several years ago to find out how J. Edgar Hoover actually marked the point of my conception in 1960. <laughs> yeah, my guess is you'll never get an answer to that. Well, no. I mean, it was probably the same time he was spying on Martin Luther King. I'm not sure. Uh, Dave, if you've got time for another segment, we'll do another segment real quick. Sure. Is that okay? And yep. we'll talk about Apple's... Greatest wet dream. It's time, if you're <laughs> hanging on to that old iPhone or iPad, to turn it in. Uh, <laughs> I mean, things never get bad for Apple, do they? Ever? It doesn't, doesn't seem that way. They seem to be extremely lucky. And I refuse, to this day, to pay $1,000 for a telephone. Uh, just saying. We'll talk more with Dave Hatter just in a moment here on the Nightcap as we continue. It's Tech Talk on a Wednesday night here on 700 WLW. Okay, back into it. Talking to Dave Hatter, some IT talk, the Mad Hatter on the Nightcap on 700 WLW. Uh, we heard all the stories was a, a month, month and a half ago that Apple had been accused of and finally admitted to slowing down or weakening the batteries of old devices to encourage people to buy updated iPhones. And new story out you had uh, you'd sent me today, Dave, about it's time to dump 
with the old iPhones and iPads. Tell me about that, if you will. Yeah, so this this has a security aspect to it. Um, some code that purports to be Apple's iBoot source code. iBoot is a real low-level process that the software goes through to try to ensure it hasn't been tampered with when you turn your phone on. So it's, it's core to the internal workings of the, the iOS operating system and, again, to the security of your device was leaked out to a public repository for a programmer dorks like me. And, you know, the concern that that immediately raises is that, okay, if bad guys have access to the source code, they can see how it works, they can figure out how to work around it perhaps, or possibly find flaws in it that they could exploit. So, you know, from a security perspective, this is a really, really bad thing that bad guys could potentially see how your software works like that. Now, Apple kind of jumped out real quick and basically said something to the effect of, I'm quoting here, old source code from three years ago appears to have been leaked, but by design, the security of our products doesn't depend on the secrecy of our source code, and, and basically tried to downplay it and said, you know, it only affects older devices. But basically, if you have an iOS 9 or earlier device, and according to Apple's own metrics, there are about 7% of all active iOS device users, this is phones, tablets, et cetera, um, they're potentially subject to any kind of vulnerabilities uh, or workarounds the bad guys can come up with from this. Now, 7% doesn't sound like much until you realize there are over a billion active iOS devices out there. So, you know, you may have upwards of 60 million devices that could be subject to whatever comes of this. There's nothing known out in the wild at this point, but assuming this is the real thing, um, it's bad news for people that have these older devices, and assuming that that code or variants of it still exist in newer iOS devices, it could impact them as well. So the bottom line really is, as you were saying earlier, Apple seems to have great luck. Even if this is real, well, that just incentivizes people to get a newer device, um, at least under the hope that it wouldn't be subject to anything bad that would come from this code leaking out. And, you know, I, I honestly have always been an Android guy and have been thinking description to Apple because Google is like the biggest privacy sieve in the world other than Facebook. Um, but, you know, this kind of gives me pause here, too. Obviously, I would get a newer phone. I wouldn't get one of the $1,000 ones you're talking about. But, you know, it, the options just seem to not be good and are going downwards in terms of privacy and security no matter who you try to use nowadays. Well, if you've got an iPhone 7... And you get a new iPhone 7. Does it have the updated code? Um, it should. And, again, you know, you can upgrade your code when uh, new versions come out from Apple. That, that's part of the problem, you know, just in general. I don't think people fully understand or take seriously enough how critical it is to make sure that whatever kind of device you have, whether it's an iPhone, whether it's an Android tablet, whether it's some IoT device like uh, the Google Home, or your Roku, anything that's connected to the Internet yeah. is a potential security flaw or security hole. It's got software inside it that enables some or all of its functionality. The vendor will put out updates. You have got to apply those updates as soon as you can to make sure that when something like this happens, when the vendor's code leaks out or when the bad guys find flaws that they can exploit, you're getting the patches that fix that stuff. So, yeah, if you get a brand-new phone, in theory, it's going to have the latest version of, of iOS or Android on it. But you still, need to keep, it, you still need to keep updating it, though, when, when the new things exactly. come along. Exactly. Just because you got a new phone today doesn't mean that tomorrow some flaw will be discovered, or, frankly, last week some flaw was discovered, 
and they're already trying to exploit it on your phone. You really, it, it's so important with all these devices, especially today, as vendors are rushing stuff to the market, and I don't think they always take security as seriously as they should because they want to be first. And let's, let's be honest, Gary, Jeff. We heard in the last four years doom and gloom almost every day on the security front. Banks being hacked, Target being hacked, Yahoo being hacked, data leaks every which way, and the Equifax debacle. And really, what's the fallout on these companies? They get a black eye for a couple of days. You have a tsunami go out of business. So, frankly, what's their incentive to care more about security when, so far, there hasn't been any kind of public revolt against these people's products? Uh, people just keep buying and using this stuff. So it's really on you. It's a caveat emptor sort of thing. If you're serious about your privacy and security, you really have got to update these things. You've got to do it. And if you don't know how to do it, you've got to go back to the iPhone store. You've got to talk to the dorky friend you know like me or something so you can get the advice and the knowledge you need to, to make sure that you're updating these devices, the smart refrigerator, your ring doorbell, your Nest thermostat. All these things are connected to the Internet, and all of them are potential holes that are um, going to make it easier for the bad guys to get to your, your uh, sensitive information. In, you got to update that stuff. You're right ev- on the money. In every conversation we have, you always stun me with one word or a couple of words or phrases. You've just used Latin tonight, caveat emptor, and I am so impressed. Let the buyer beware, man. You got it. It's on you because so far the vendors don't really have the financial incentive. If you think about it for a second, so you get hacked. Your company gets hacked, right? You're the one that suffers. What is the financial or legal penalty penalty against the vendor that provided the software? And I'm, I'm not necessarily suggesting there should be. I'm just saying right now the financial incentive is all on you. The, the people making this stuff have little incentive to slow down, build more security in at the risk of losing market share. And you, you just got to take it upon yourself to learn as much about this as you can, be as skeptical as you can, and make sure you're getting these devices updated. Dave Hatter, I would love to continue this conversation. I'm out of time, and I know from this conversation I need to update my 1972 Princess phone. <laughs> Yes, you do. Uh, Mr. Hatter, thank you as always. My pleasure, Gary. Jeff, talk to you soon. All right. Dave Hatter on the nightcap, and we end every nightcap as this one with the playing of our Star-Spangled Banner to honor America on 700 WLW.
Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.